0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Daryl Bodner, CIO of North Country Healthcare in New Hampshire. Daryl, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Laura. Thank you so much for having me again.
0: Now, what are the top issues consuming most of your time today?
1: Um, at this point in time, a lot of it has to do with, with uh, labor challenges and shortages. I know that's like everybody else out there, but the majority of our time is spent on trying to, to, uh, to get staff and, and, and retain staff, both from an IT perspective, which is, which is not as drastic, but definitely from the clinical realm, and, and in particular, nursing. Uh, very, very challenging these times. Supply chain also has been a little bit challenging.
0: Got it. So both the clinical, the staffing and supply chain are huge issues. And when you're looking at solving that, how can IT be part of that? Well, what we're
1: trying to do is we're trying to, you know, pivot our resources to help support those areas where we can. Um, And honestly, we're spending a lot of time looking at, at workloads and seeing if there's ways that we can automate those workloads. Um, we're bringing in a lot of tools to be able to help um, alleviate some of those pieces. And anytime we can remove, um, uh, you know, work that needs to be done by by nursing staff or clinical staff, um, it's great. You know, primary focus on on uh, device integrations, um, medical device integrations, interoperability, workflow automation, and even some AI. We have delved a little bit into the ambient voice recognition, um, smart patient monitoring, and things, but th- those haven't been rolled out as much. Most of the time we're looking at it is is for uh, device integrations and automation tools on the back end.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, What do you think will be the lasting impact of COVID-19 on healthcare?
1: Oh, God, I think I think, well, one, I think long term, I still think we're going to have issues with with um, staffing. I think that when you look at it, it's almost we're, we're almost entering a realm now where it's a supply chain of staffing, trying to look across a nationwide search to be able to bring in um, staff and, and, and it's going to be extremely competitive and quite expensive. I, I'm not even sure how sustainable it will be going forward. Um, I think that's going to linger with us for, for probably, you know, the next 10 years. Um, I think it'll be ebbs and flows, but I, I still think for the majority of the time it will be there. And I think, it, you know, as that shortage continues, um, I think we're going to have to look at a new model of, of incorporating technology and automation, um, to deliver care, um, in the absence of some of that staff being in place. Um, I think also, I still think virtual care is going to play a significant component as as we go forward, and I think that's a direct result of some of the uh, elements of Covid. even as we go through through multiple strains of this and we watch um, is as time and time again, it occurs that we're having to uh, to recoil and close down specialty services and and um, those types of things, it's it becomes more and more of a challenge. Um, and I think that virtual care, um, not, the, not the virtual care we have now or that we stood up around COVID. I mean, we took a regular you know, clinic visit and, and turned it into a virtual Zoom. But I'm thinking of something that, that's going to be a bit more robust and, and includes you know, the remote patient monitoring piece, a more interactive um, um, element with the, with the patients. Um, I think that that will, that will probably still um, become more prevalent. I believe right now there's even a reduction in some of those, those um those virtual care and telemedicine visits. But I I think once it it retools and we we put something in place that was designed for that, I think it will uh, really gain some traction.
0: That's a really great point. And when you're looking at virtual care and how it evolves, is there anything from the IT side, any skills, or even from the medical side um, that you feel like health systems need in order to really bring virtual care into its next iteration?
1: Um, I think we just need to, I think we need to be open. I think we need to look at what the need is and, and look what consumers are driving and what are they looking for. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of elements to that that, that we, you know, we could benefit from. Um, and, and I think it needs to continue to grow um, within those. So there, there, you, you've seen some of the changes where um, you're talking about bringing in, uh, you know, patient, patient information. I think getting, you know, over a year's period of time, a, a thousand points of data from, uh, from, from a patient consuming that into a and you know some sort of an engine an AI engine to give some you know take that information and, and put it into knowledge that the provider can use I think that you can really gain a lot of ground on in terms of having multiple in in you know in in-person visits and um, the problem is the payers of course I mean it's going to be a very very difficult thing as we're looking at at you know in a fee-for-service market that we are in a, in a transition into into value-based care I, I don't know how that's going to play into it but Clearly, by monitoring patients over a longer period of time in a home setting and reducing their visits coming in and seeing uh, providers remotely whenever possible would definitely play into value-based care.
0: That's a really great point. Uh, Thank you so much for connecting the dots for us on that. Now, how else are you thinking about strategic and financial growth um, for the organization in the next three years?
1: Oh, yeah. I think, I think we have to look outside the box for other, other revenue sources. Uh, I think a lot of organizations are doing this, um, revenue streams that come from, from outside this. I mean, non-traditional, so maybe, um, you know, retail pharmacy, durable medical equipment, self-insurance, um, maybe even long-term care housing, um, expanded telehealth, um, uh, digital care, app development so you can build and things. My God, I even think we could we could look towards fitness and nutrition centers, um, healthy food co-ops, those types of things I think are really, really something that we should be looking at for that for that entire continuum of health. And when you're looking at, at you know value-based care, the entire care continuum of those patients um, is important. Plus, like I said, they could be additional sources of revenue as we go forward. Uh, I, I think I think it's I think we have to think outside the box on some of these.
0: Absolutely. That's so interesting. I know, you know, the hospital and the traditional healthcare system have become so many different things for different people. And now for them to become gyms and nutrition centers and wellness centers, essentially, it, it seems that will completely transform how people think about hospitals and health systems and interact with them.
1: I, I completely agree. I think as you're going to see more and more people moving away from the traditional brick and, brick and mortar hospitals, you'll go there for surgeries, but you're going to try to, be, you know, get your care at home a big movement to do the inpatient at home sort of model is, 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 is starting to gain some traction. And I think it makes sense. Um, There's, there's less risk when you think of a COVID COVID world by staying at home. And um, as long as we can deliver some certain levels of care, I think it makes perfect sense. I think home care will continue to grow. And I think a lot of the remote technologies will be there. And like I said, it's not your traditional um, zoom uh, meeting with a, with a patient Um, that was, you know, historically an office visit. I'm thinking is, is telehealth and, uh, virtual care being a much, much more robust solution.
0: Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, are there any other areas where you see big opportunity for innovation in healthcare today?
1: Um, I'll, I'll, still keep, I'll still keep ringing the bell on telehealth. Um, it's funny. Ironically, most of the technology that we're putting in place today is moving the patients further away from hospitals. Um, and I think you know, advancing the the digital front door for healthcare is one of the biggest opportunities, and and not not just that presence that that tends to make um, people you know welcome and, and can pick things. That's all important, but I think that that you know, when you start to look at at constant feeds of data and uh, machine learning and algorithms and precision care being delivered through these models to 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 provide give the provider information and have it transferred to knowledge that he can then in turn help support the patient is key. And I think a lot of that's going to be done remote. So I still think all those technology areas are still uh, important. Some of them have gained a little bit of, of uh, they've lost a little traction, but I still think that they're out there and I think they're going to continue to grow. Um, I think that the more that we can provide a great consumer engagement on a digital platform, the better we'll be. Uh, keep it simple, but make it powerful um, is the best way to go.
0: Daryl, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Oh, Laura, thank you so much for having me once again. It's always a pleasure.